Hello, everyone, and welcome to the ninth episode of The Lindsay Gowan Show. I'm joined by Storm Fletcher today, and we actually met on Clubhouse. I think that's a common trend that you're seeing here. I'm meeting a lot of powerful women through this Clubhouse app. So if you guys haven't checked it out, you should. Um, there's so many benefits to it. Storm and I were just chatting about what it really provides us. And um, yeah, if you're not on Clubhouse, get on Clubhouse. But Storm, the name already just brings so much energy. And I think that that's really what draws me to Storm is that energy. Every time she speaks, I have a pen and paper ready because she just <laughs> drops gems of knowledge and just speaks so eloquently. So I'm so excited to have have her joined here today. Um, she works uh, with Richard Robbins, growing his business development. So um, she's the vice president there. And it's amazing what um, she's been able to accomplish and stuck with it for 17 years. So we'll get to hear her story, um, what brought her there. But I'm going to pass it over to you, Storm. Do you want to introduce yourself? Um, give us a little background on what brought you to Richard Robbins. Um, give us a little intro that way. Sure, absolutely. First of all, thank you so much for having me. I, I, I love any opportunity to collaborate and share. And I'm so grateful to Clubhouse for this reason, to meet some incredible humans. So if you're not on Clubhouse, get on Clubhouse. <laughs> this is your sign. Yeah. Did we mention Clubhouse? <laughs> so I'll give you a little bit of a backdrop, a backstory of myself. Um, so I am a reformed army brat. <laughs> My dad went from the army into real estate and was with real estate right up until he retired. And so this industry, real estate specifically, um, and the ab, the flow, the pains, the suffering, <laughs> and the beautiful life that it can provide um, is in my DNA. Um, we always used to say, um, you know, if dad was having a great year, it was like famine, feast or famine, right? And that was kind of the nature of the beast then. And so the real estate genre and that arena really, really, really always was effective to me. And I think being raised as an army brat, that discipline part of things was innately in my life as well. Um, I say an army brat, but I don't know if I was really a brat. I was always a pretty good girl. Pretty good. <laughs> we'll, we'll check that. Yeah. But I actually, um, in my past life, um, prior to, I moved to Ontario uh, 18 years ago. Prior to that, I was a West Coast girl. I ran a multi-million dollar business with my ex-husband there. And I moved to Ontario for love. Um, but I went from working with my husband. So I've had all kinds of a lot of my experience has been in the real estate industry. I worked for Bental Retail Services um, in their kind of um, commercial side of things. Um, so I loved this side of the business. Um, then went to work for Tony Robbins. Now, Tony Robbins is actually married to my best friend in the whole wide world, Sage Robbins. I've known Sage since she was nine years old. Amazing. <laughs> and so that really introduced me into a whole different side of business. So I've always been in my life kind of like the backbone behind the leader. So I've been the one who made sure that the leader was set up to have everything that they needed for success. When I went to work for Tone, what I really realized was that the world and the possibilities of the world were endless endless and I had big 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 plans and then I met Thane the love of my life and uh, I moved to Ontario and so when I first moved to Ontario I was actually a project coordinator <laughs> for a wow. software company and was bored 
to tears. I am, I always say I'm a, I'm a recovering workaholic. Um, some <laughs> days I recover really well and other days I relapse horribly. <laughs> <laughs> but because I was just kind of dissatisfied, I was really honestly just looking for a new home. And I saw the ad for Richard Robbins and I thought, you know what, that's kind of cool. And it touches on my youth of real estate with my dad and that experience. And it ties in my experience that I had with running my own company as well as working with Tony Robbins. So it kind of married all of the things that I discovered at that point in my life. And I was 38, 39. Yes. And so I applied for the job and in I went, but I'll tell you something. When I started at Richard Robbins, I started as Rich's assistant. Awesome. And it's always, um, I believe in the power of never limiting being satisfied with where you are in your life is important, but limiting what you feel you are capable of, capable of based on the version of yourself that you are today is a mistake that I will never make. Yes. Wow. That is amazing. And um, I'm coming off. I did a UPW um, over the weekend. So uh, now that you said it, Tony Robbins, I've got that Tony Robbins energy and I can definitely sense that, yes, you know that um, you're okay being uncomfortable. And I think that that was um, something that I read in your bio that you just have that unwillingness to be comfortable and the desire for more. So I love that. And um, if you could give um, one piece of advice, like what is your definition of growth and why do you think it's so important for us to keep growing? Oh, absolutely. You know, I think about, I think the key to growth is curiosity. And the beautiful thing about curiosity is it's free. And so you can always get to a place of comfort, but the moment I start feeling comfortable somewhere, I get uncomfortable really, really quick. I think it's about not being fearful. We, especially I find as women, we don't want to fail. We, are, we wanna be the strong one. We wanna be the one who keeps everything together. And so in that confine, we wanna stay safe in what it is that we know. I know that I can do this well. I know that I'm kick-ass at it. And so I'm just gonna stay here because it's safe. And so my greatest piece of advice would be stay curious, learn something new every single day. And then don't be afraid to try something new. I've said it, I mean, I've been saying it for so long now, but it's so true. And when I quote stuff, it's because it resonates with me. Success is not final, failure is not fatal. And sometimes that fear of failure if I speak it out loud, my God, Lindsay, if I tell you I'm going to do something and I don't do it, I'm a failure. And not only do I know it, but you know it too. And I would say, like, don't be afraid of it. Embrace it. The times that I have fallen down are the ones where I have grown the most, the most. And that lifelong learner, I have two children and five grandchildren. I love my kids. They are my soul. When they were little, they, you know how you have baby books when you have babies? So in the baby book, you put in their first poop, <laughs> their first tooth, their first word, and you literally log all of the ways that they evolve. But at 24 months, it stops. And I think for me, that was such a pivotal moment being outside of myself. I was a young mom. And so I, I thought, gosh, their life is just starting. So I started something called learning journals with my kids. 
And every single day, we had to log the date and what it was we learned. So when they were little, little and couldn't write, when we would sit down for dinner, it would be, okay, what did you learn today? And they would tell me what it was and I would write it down and date it. Then when they got old enough, they started writing themselves. My daughter just turned 35 years old. She has not missed one day writing in her learning journal. So every day, her goal is to learn something new. My son stopped in his mid-20s, but all five of my grandchildren now have learning journals. And so it's like the day that I wake up and there's nothing left to learn is the day that I hope that I'm looking at the daisies from the wrong side. I love that. And that's so amazing too, because I think it's so important um, to set intentions every morning. And if you set that intention to learn something new, it's always going to give you that continual growth. And uh, that is such an important thing to take away from anything that you're saying here is just that intention of growth. So I love that. Um, and then now that you're into um, Richard Robbins, um, doing the coaching, all of that, do you do the coaching yourself or are you more in the sales side? So I am I, the VP of business development and sales. So my primary role is broker and brand development. My second primary role is of course, running and leading our sales team. And then my third primary role is I do a lot of training. Um, and then I, I also, I, my preference is not to be a one-on-one -on -one coach, mm -hmm. um, but I have made exceptions. <laughs> and <laughs> yes. so I do coach um, some, not a lot. Yeah. And that's amazing. Why do you think it's important for um, someone that is going into real estate, someone that doesn't have a lot of knowledge in the industry or maybe feels not the most confident? Why do you think it's important for them to hire a coach? Well, you know, it's always, it's funny. It's not even necessarily always hiring a coach. It's having a really strong mentor in your life. For sure. So there's a difference between a mentor and a coach. A mentor is somebody who's going to lead by example and they're going to let you kind of follow the footprints of the, that they've created on the path. A coach is somebody who's going to dare you to walk off of the path. A coach is somebody who's going to not just lead the way, but they're going to help you figure out your own path. And so I think mentorship and coaching are equally powerful. Um, but the reason I think it's, it's so important, think of yourself. So small consistent actions lead to big change but a lot of times when we're in business we want big change mm -hmm. and we try to create big change without implementing small consistent actions and in the real estate industry in particular in most business we are focused on the result what is the result that i want to get and that to me is cancer and i'll tell you why not that the result isn't important. We all need to make money. We all want to be profitable. We all want to grow. But when our focus and our mindset and our pursuit is for the result, we start doing what is obtainable, not sustainable. And we burn out. Mm -hmm. The other thing that we do is we don't put the behaviors in place long enough to guarantee the result. You see, it's not the result that causes the behavior. It's the behavior that causes the result. And when we're only focused on results and we measure our success based on that, we change our behavior so often 
that we don't get the stickiness and continuity. So when you've got somebody who's advocating for you, when you've got a coach or a mentor that's working with you, they're able to help you stay the course. Everybody always says, well, you know, you want coaching for accountability. And sorry, excuse my French, but I call bullshit. <laughs> Having somebody on the phone saying, did you do this? Did you do that? That's not going to change. It's a coach is somebody who's going to motivate you, excite you, and help you get a clear vision of where you want to go. And then it's like, do you remember when we first got GPS in our cars? Yep. And we thought it was the greatest thing. You carried out your little garment in your purse and you plugged it into your lighter. And it was the most amazing thing ever, but it didn't know one way streets. It didn't know if there was construction. It didn't know any of that stuff. But at the time it was, it revolutionized the way that we drove. Now there's an app called Waze <laughs> and Waze tells you if there's a speed bump, a pothole, a, a red light camera, police, anything. Yeah. Cause it's a whole community of people that are contributing to the common knowledge. And so for me, that's what a coach is. A coach is your ways app. You get in with your coach or your mentor. Mentoring should not be somebody who holds you accountable and tries to get you to do behavior. Mentoring is somebody who demonstrates what can be done. Coaching helps you do it. And so when you get in your car with your coach and you discover, who the hell am I? So often in business, we know where we want to go, but we're not starting where we are. So we have this vision and it's a beautiful vision of where I want to be. But until we're able to get real with where we currently are, how the heck can you get in your car and set a destination if you don't know where you are when you get in? So your coach really helps you nail down like, where am I? Who am I? What do I stand for? What is my brand? What, what do I want my legacy to be? And then reverse engineer what that looks like. And then the coach gets in the car and drives 20 kilometers ahead of you. And then the community that's part of any coaching that you're part of is the one saying, oop, tried that, you know, there's a pothole ahead. Mm -hmm. And so it really is to me just magic, but not a life raft. Ashton Kushner did a, um, a speech at some award that he won. And I always thought the guy was quite flaky, quite honestly. And uh, I, I thought not a lot upstairs. <laughs> and he said at this one, he said, and it's something that stuck with me, he said, Everybody always thinks that you're an overnight success, but let me tell you something. Opportunity looks a whole hell of a lot like hard work. Yeah. And so you have to be willing to do the work, you know, but we, we get comfortable. So my advice always, and I say it to my daughter, I say it to my son, I say it to anybody, don't allow yourself to get comfortable, get confident, but don't get comfortable. I love that. So much of what you just said just resonated with me. And it's exactly how, like, I feel the exact same way uh, you've talked everything there. Um, and I think it's so important to have that mentor also to have the coach, um, to just kind of propel you forward, um, in both and success leads, leaves clues, I think, and following your mentor that way. But then I love that aspect of coaching that they kind of pave a new way, right. Where you yes. can kind of, um, make your own, but, um, yes, opportunity looks like a hard, like hard work. That was the background on my, on my phone for like two years. And it, it is so true because, um, a lot of people look at all the, how lucky you are and how how luck just comes to you but they don't see that opportunity they don't see the work that you're putting in and again it's that overnight success so 
Amazing. I'm <laughs> so overwhelmed by all of <laughs> exactly like this is why I wanted to have you on. I wanted um, everyone to hear all the knowledge that you share every day on Clubhouse because as I said, every time Storm speaks, I need to take notes. <laughs> a lot you. of what she said, I'm taking notes on. I'm gonna have to rewatch this a whole bunch of times. Um, but what is one piece of advice that you've received from someone that's really resonated with you um, that maybe changed your perspective on business or um, something like that? The greatest, most sage advice I've ever received in my life is control is an illusion. Control is an illusion. And sometimes in our fight in business, um, you know, we can't let go. We're micromanagers, whatever it may be. Um, and we think that if we do it, we're in control. So I'm not, I'm not going to delegate. I'm not going to list the help of others. I'm not going to mentor or nurture or bring anybody up under me who might be better than I am. And so for me, it, it was really that understanding that the only thing that I can control is myself. Outside of myself, I can control nothing. And if I stay true to that, then everything else will fall into place. But not controlling uh, it is the only, I can manage my state. I can alter my state, my mindset, the way I think and feel in a moment, in a moment. But I cannot modify yours. I can't modify anybody else's. If something that somebody else says or does has the ability to do that, beautiful. But that's for me has been such a huge piece because especially when you're when you're driven, when you're when you're and 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 I and I used to think of driven as kind of like a negative or derogatory word. I don't anymore um, because a lot of times when you think of driven, you think of a control freak. You think of somebody who doesn't do anything but work. Driven to me is not settling. Driven to me is uh, redefining your worth daily. Driven to me is, um, you know, never ever stopping right before you hit the summit, right? So that is the place that I, that I come from. And the only way that you can achieve that, in my humble opinion, is you must give up control, surround yourself with people that truly vibe with you, and then make them powerful and successful. If you are not hiring your replacement all of the time, if you are not looking for somebody who can kick your butt, you know what keeps me sharp? Our young salespeople that are underneath me that are gunning for my job, <laughs> <laughs> right? And so I want to love them. I want to nurture them. I want them to evolve. I want them to be successful. I want them to take my job because I'm not staying where I am for long. I'll keep on going. I'm coming for you, Rich Robbins. I'm coming for you. <laughs> amazing and I think it's so much like you revealed so much of your mindset and that actually relieves a lot of all of the pressure to fail I think in the fact that you control everything yourself not everything around you but having that control that you can control yourself that kind of controls everything else because if you're always in that beautiful state you're in that um just in that place of growth, then you're always going to grow. And it doesn't matter what's going around around you. The clients that are going to come to you, you're attracting those people. You're attracting the people to your vibe. You're repelling the people that you don't want to work with. So yes. 
I think that that is so important um, that what everything that you just said, as I keep saying, but um, yes, what is something that you've um, learned in business, um, like your biggest lesson you would say? In unless business. you've already, yeah, in business, sure. unless you've already touched on it. <laughs> no, I would say um, the importance of sustainability. And so I'll explain. Um, obtainable, sustainable. So obtainable, could I lose 40 pounds right now? Sure. Whack my body in half, throw my legs off to the side, I've lost 40 pounds. Is it obtainable? Yes. Is it sustainable? No, I'm dead. And so what we do often in business, and for me, I, I, I monitor it all the time. We make all encompassing things when we want to change or shift. An example would be on a personal level, but you would apply it mentally to anything. Uh, it's uh, coming into summer. We all want to have bikini bodies. Oh my goodness. I put on about 10 pounds over the summer. I want to get that 10 pounds off. That's it. I'm never eating sugar again. Two days later, you're driving in your car trying to figure out where to hide the chocolate ball wrapper. And you've got this dialogue going in your head about how you're a failure. So for me, it's about creating that the success endorphins. So I would say, okay, I want to succeed in business. I want to succeed in any way in my life. Start small, build big. Set yourself up so that those endorphins of success are firing off in your brain and you want more of it. So instead of saying, I'm never eating sugar again, I would say, I'm not going to have sugar on Mondays. And until I wake up Monday morning and I don't go, oh God, it's no sugar day. Until it just becomes innately a part of who I am, I don't change it. Then I add Tuesday and, I, and repeat, rinse, repeat. And so for me, really, honestly, it's just about allowing yourself the wins Set yourself up where the sky is the freaking limit, but make sure that you allow yourself to have wins along the way because the dopamine fires off in the body and we all want more of it. A hundred percent. Amazing. I love that. That's such great advice. And again, yeah, it's that continual. I think as well, people get overwhelmed by a large goal. So when you break it down by those small wins, those little steps along the way, it seems a lot, a lot less intimidating as well. So I think you're a lot um, more able to get to that large goal when you're taking those small steps along the way and taking that time to win and really celebrate that as you go. Because again, you said the endorphins are there and you're going to want more of it and more of it to get you to that large goal. So yeah, absolutely. Well, and you've got to think about for a moment, if you look at every single aspect of your life, whether it be personal or whatever, when you talk about goals, when you talk about business, when you talk about wanting to be able to partner and have success, if I write down a dream, you don't need to have to, you don't need to understand my dream. You can look and go, wow, that sounds crazy. But if I write down a goal, I should not have to explain to you what it is that I mean, and you should be able to hold me accountable to it. So what does that mean in business? If I say, um, I want to run a, I want to run a phenomenal business. That's my goal. Can you hold me accountable to that? No. No. Now, it's not that my intention is wrong, but I have to then clearly define what does a phenomenal business mean to me? Mm -hmm. A goal is something that somebody else should be able to read and hold you accountable to in a moment. But because we don't want to fail, we sometimes make our goals very vague 
so we have room to dance. And what that does is it sets up an escape hatch in your life, <laughs> a door where you can exit quietly out of a goal. And I refuse to put in an exit door, an emergency exit. So it is really setting it up in a way where you would go, some people might say, oh, you know, a goal for my, I want to have the most beautiful relationship with my man. Okay, great. You talk to me on a day, you say, Storm, you know, what are the goals that we laid out is you want to have a beautiful relationship with your man. And that particular day, he might've been a bit of a shithead and I might want to throw punch him. And if you were to ask me that day, do I have a beautiful relationship with my man? That particular moment, I might say, no, he's really making me angry right now. But if I have a clear definition of what does a beautiful relationship met with my man look like? It's a date night. We have living room picnics all of the different things that qualify as a beautiful relationship, then when you hit a bump, you're not abandoning ship. You're not thinking your relationship is horrible because all the check boxes are still checked. And if they're not, you've got a direction to go. No different than business. No different than business. You want to have a phenomenal business. Okay, great. What does that look like? And what defining factors can you put in? So on the days where you want to pull your hair out, where you're like, my goodness, what am I doing? Where is this going? What's happening? On those days, you're able just to kind of glance right and go, you know what? All of the things are there. This is just a bump. It's not a derailment. I love that. Such great advice. And do you put a lot of emphasis on to, let's say your why? Um, I do, in, I, I do, um, but I would say um, I don't put it in one why. Yeah. And, and because one why can let me down. Mm -hmm. And so the greater purpose, and it sounds so freaking hokey, and I know that it does, but every single day when I wake up, my why is to try in any way, shape, or form to pour into another human being, whatever that looks like. You know, there's a book, it's by Adam Grant. It's called Give and Take. And he really talks about this powerful thing. You know, there's words that came out and, and, and they were not popular, then they become popular and then they lose all the meaning behind it. But he really talks about the power of reciprocity. And in there, he says, the giver gets the most. But when we think of reciprocity, reciprocity is when you do something unexpected for somebody else they want to reciprocate the way you made them feel. Well, that also works in the negative. <laughs> Reciprocity is a two is a two pronged fork, right? So it really is making sure that I'm living consciously, my definition of consciously, and my definition of consciously is standing in judgment of no one. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. But I think a why um, sometimes more importantly to me it's a who. Yeah. And and not a who outside of myself because I cannot control anything outside of that, mm -hmm. is who am I being today? And who do I envision myself to be? And am I leaning into that? Lindsay, think about for a moment, and I always say, if I were to talk to somebody five minutes after they met you for the first time, what would you want them to say about you? And did you do everything that you needed to do in order to deserve, deserve the way you want to be spoke of? And so many of us want to be loved and respected and admired. I, I'm, to me, you can hate me too if you want to. But whatever you want people to feel or think about you is a privilege. And it's a privilege that's earned through your actions, not your words.
I love that. And it doesn't surprise me that you're saying that just because I know how everyone feels when you speak and you just make everyone feel um, loved and respected as well. So it's definitely um, exactly what you're saying. You're not just saying it. I know that that is you and that is exactly how you live your life every day. So that's so beautiful. And I'm glad you gave us a book recommendation. I always love to get good books um, for my listeners to really dig into after because it's great to have all of this great advice and everything like that. But again, give some steps to get closer to that. So you bet. Well, and I mean, books, I, so it's funny. I was a reader. I mean, you can see that's just one <laughs> of many bookshelves in our house, but I, what I found with reading, and this was just me personally. So a tip for maybe some of your readers, I used to read a book and I don't know about you, but when I read books, I highlight, I bend corners, I write notes and I, I wouldn't retain the information. It would be rare if ever you would hear me quote a book but yet I will read a book a week. And so what was happening though, your brain is in two different spots. When I'm reading a book, I'm trying to take it all in. I'm trying to remember everything. So I switched to audiobooks and I was really worried when I first switched to audiobooks because I thought, oh, it's not the paper. I can't crunch it and munch it and write on it. But I'll go through books that I read and there's notes in there and I'm going, what did I mean? <laughs> what, what was I thinking? Was that my writing? And I don't even remember. But audiobooks are like listening to a great speaker. Mm -hmm. And when you listen to a great speaker, 95% of what they say, you don't retain. But then they'll say that one nugget and you go, mm -hmm. oh. to me, audiobooks, Angela Duckworth's Grit, yes. phenomenal book. And then Keith J. Cunningham, The Road Less Stupid. Now, the audiobook is really fun because awesome. Keith J. Cunningham is from Texas. <laughs> he orates his own book. <laughs> Perfect. Those are the ones I have to listen to. Like if someone is reading their own book, those are the ones I really get into. And it, it, it's so true. Like you hear those little things and it's what you need to hear at that time as well yeah. that you're really going to take away. Um, I'm actually not much of a reader. When Audible came out, it was like the best thing ever because I don't know. I, I put a book to my face and I'm <laughs> asleep in 10 minutes, yes. but audiobooks, like it's that net time as well that I love to um, lean into just because you can't really say that you don't have time because you're driving somewhere. I'm always on the road so I can yes. always pick up a 100%. good audible. <laughs> yes. And yeah. what you feed your brain with, right? right? And there's conscious and subconscious. And so there is so many times clubhouse, you would think, my God, does this woman work? Because I will have it on when I'm sitting and I'm building out a strategy or I'm doing something where I'm not engaging with somebody else. I used to listen to an audiobook or a podcast. Yep. Now I'll put Clubhouse on. Yep. And a lot of times I'm just quietly listening in the background. And I, if you were to say, hey, Storm, do you want to say something? I'd be like, oh God, no. Because <laughs> I'm not engaged in that way. Yep. But then someone will say something and all of a sudden my brain goes, what did you just say? Yeah. And it's a nugget. So we're always, that part of our brain is always listening. We just have to allow it to be listening. It's funny, Lindsay. It's one of the things. So do you have a dream list? Yes. How many dreams do you have? I would say well, off the top of my head, probably eight or so. Okay. So I've got a challenge for you and I've got a challenge for your listeners. Great. When we talk about mindset and we talk about the power of our brain, I want you to have a dream list of 50 dreams. Okay. 
50 active dreams. Wow. And every single time you realize a dream, I want you to cross it off, but I want you to write the date that you, that you accomplished it and how it made you feel. And the minute you accomplish one, I want you to replace it with another. The reason 50 dreams, when I write down um, anybody, pretty much anybody that I know can get to 10 dreams, mortgage-free, <laughs> financially secure, um, travel to Italy, but you can only write down mortgage-free once and you can only write down travel so many times before it becomes redundant. Yeah. When you have to write 50 dreams, you have to start thinking outside of the confines of who you believe yourself to be today. And at some point you just start making stuff up, but it comes from somewhere. But when we do that, when we're forced to think outside of who we currently are, a door in our brain opens up called possible. And once you open that door, it remains open as long as you continue to dream. And the way we continue to dream is you will watch the evolution of this. I don't know if I've told you this story or not, but my daughter, um, when she was 30, very successful. Anybody looking from the outside in would have thought she had the world by the tail. She was running um, orders for all the delis at a high-end grocery store in Victoria, making killer freaking dough, no <laughs> children, traveling, like just living a beautiful life. And my phone rings. And she's like, mama, I need to talk to you. I said, what's wrong, baby? She goes, I hate my life. Oh, oh my gosh. She says, I just, I wake up every day, mom. And I, I just dread going to work. And I don't even know why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I'm like, okay, baby. And I said, listen, mama's going to send you something. She's like, mom, don't fix me. <laughs> <laughs> not going to fix you. So I sent her the dreams and I said, you need to put 50 dreams for me. Now at 30 years old, to have 50 dreams is freaking huge. And so for a month, Lindsay, I actually felt bad. I hounded that poor child. Did you get it done yet? Are you done yet? Did you get it done? How many are you at? Come on, you can do this, you can do this. And I literally got an email from her at one month. Mom, see attached. I'm pretty much just wrote stuff down just to shut you up. I was like, fantastic. When can we have a call? And all that I wanted to do was highlight the dreams that she wrote down to shut her mama up. There were 22 of them. One of them, now she was in a very, very, very white collar profession. One of them was she wanted to do a trade. That was one she wrote down to shut her mama up. My daughter's like me, we trip over air. <laughs> So the thought of my daughter actually having access to power tools terrified me. <laughs> right now, she literally just finished writing her exam for her second year as an electrician. She left her corporate job. She left the money. She took a massive pay cut. She struggled. She got sponsorships for women for schooling and women in trade. She graduated or she passed her second year top of her class. She got an apprenticeship right out of the barrel with one of the most respected electrical companies in Victoria. And she is happier than she's ever been. But the beautiful part is of the 22 dreams that she wrote down to shut her mama up, six of them she's done. And the things that she's writing down now, because every time she achieves something, lives into something that the version of herself that wrote it down at the time didn't believe was possible, 
she learns to dream bigger. She learns to think even bigger. So now the stuff she's writing down is like, oh my goodness. I said, like, when you look at your dream list, if it doesn't jack you up, if you're not as inspired as shit by it, rewrite it. And if you go to write down a dream and you think, oh, I'd never do that. That's the one you've got to write down. And it changes everything. Business is, is brutal. It, the industry is brutal. People are savage. <laughs> and the thing that we need to do in order to make sure that we are okay in this world, sometimes you feel like you swam out to the middle of the ocean and then you're ready to rest, but there, you can't. You're already in the middle of the ocean. So you've got two choices, keep on swimming or drown. And the thing that is your anchor, the thing that will keep you afloat is not the aspiring for more money. None of that. It is that anchor to the essence of who you are and what you were brought here to do. And that is live a great life. That is live a great life. If you're gonna live a life, why make it anything less than great? I don't ever understand why. And my definition of great, Lindsay, and yours and your viewers, it's okay what your definition is. It's why I don't really like the subject of luxury real estate. Because my definition of what luxury is and somebody else's may be very different. I will never, ever, ever forget as long as I live. When I worked with Tony, and I'll babble forever, but when I worked with Tony, um, one of the responsibilities I had is when the VIPs were in, I was to take care of them as well, make sure that they had what they needed, you know, blah, blah, blah. We were in Australia and it was the launch of Anthony Hopkins' movie, Red Dragon or whatever it was. It was kind of like that final one for the, for the, and so he was there with his then girlfriend, Stella. And um, I was to take care of them and make sure that we got them over to the venue. There was a special area for them. And I remember going up and having, going up just to let him know that the limo was there and him and Stella were having breakfast. And he goes, please join us. And I'm like, oh, I kind of got to get back. And he goes, please join us. So, so I sat down and I had a quick coffee. So gracious, such a beautiful soul. But when you think about the appreciation and the innate nature of who you are, I met a lot of them that were very horrible as well in their behaviors. Halfway through the event, I walked over to him and I gave him a granola bar and a bottle of water. You would have thought that I had given that man a bar of gold. <laughs> he was so grateful and so like so happy for what he was given. That to me is the essence of who you are. It's not what you do when everybody's watching that matters. It's what you do when nobody can see you. And if you are dependent on the world telling you that you're okay, you're going to get beat up and broken. You're going to stop the beautiful journey you're on. But when you define where it is that you want to go and you enlist the souls around you to help you get there, you will have nothing but a great life. You'll have nothing but a great life. That's my belief. And it's sure come true in my life. Wow. I am fired up. <laughs> I, yeah, you always get me in my feels. I, everything you say is just so powerful. So I'm so happy that you have come on and I'm about to go read my list of 50 <laughs> dreams that yes. I'm going to have. So hopefully everyone listening is feeling the same way, write your 50 and just exactly 
live a beautiful life. So yes, thank you so much, Storm. I am so grateful for you to come on to my podcast and just share every single thing that you did. I'm going to be re-listening to this one quite a few times and uh, I'm sure new nuggets will always stick with me. But again, thank you so much. I'm very grateful that you have taken the time to come on and um, cannot wait till we can meet up in person. You bet a hundred percent. I'm coming for you. Don't you worry. (laughs) All right. Listen, take care. Thank you so very much. And everybody just remember today is the first day of the rest of your life. Today, every day that you wake up is the first day of the rest of your life. And you are the director on that stage. You hire the actors, you set the scene. So that is where the power comes from. So thank you so much.